Hello, everyone. Welcome to Orthopod. I'm here with uh, Vikas Kanduja, who is a colleague and respected friend. He's a consultant young adult hip surgeon, as you can see here at the University of Cambridge. He's an associate lecturer at Cambridge University uh, and an associate editor at the uh, Bone and Joint Journal. He's with us today uh, with some really interesting uh, work he's been doing worldwide. And rather than me explain it, I'll let him kind of take it from here. Vikas, welcome. Thank you very much, Mo, for uh, having me on your autopod. <laughs> yeah, very good. So you've been up to quite a bit of stuff during uh, this unfortunate period we've had, but uh, the work you've been doing, I think, is really important, and we're keen to get this message out. So maybe you could kind of walk us through some of the highlights of some of this research. Sure. So, uh, Mo, essentially, I think it was around uh, March 11th when uh, the WHO uh, declared it as a pandemic, this COVID-19. And uh, just around that time, I think the inspiration for this probably goes to an article by Atul Gawande, where he specifically spoke about, uh, uh, about healthcare workers uh, and protection of them and the numbers getting infected. Uh, but unfortunately, there was not much science to it. So that really kicked it off for me. Uh, and then there were a few newspaper articles as well and a letter in BMJ which came out about uh, specifically about healthcare workers. And yeah. we wanted to see what was going on uh, worldwide. And because the pandemic was quite high at that particular point in time in the Far East, and the aim was if we could actually learn from what they have done uh, so that we could implement those changes and decrease the number of healthcare workers being infected, uh, that would be great. So we really wanted to learn from what exactly is going on in that part of the world and then implement those changes within uh, within our system. And that was the sort of ethos behind doing this study. Uh, at the second, at the same time, we realized that there was an immense amount of confusion at that particular point in time, the first two weeks, as to how should we be managing um, both patients and infected healthcare workers. Uh, there were immense amount of shortages in uh, uh, personal protective equipment, in healthcare workers going off sick because uh, we had to protect them. And two weeks uh, in the UK, it was two weeks at that time. Uh, there was immense amount of shortages in bed space and ventilators. So along with that, there was a lot of this commotion and this lacunae in specific guidelines for healthcare workers. So that really prompted uh, this study. And we wanted to learn from variation in practice and exactly what was going on. So we designed this uh, cross-sectional survey. And uh, what we really wanted was to get uh, a good spread of the whole world. And it was a fairly simple uh, survey with uh, 10 questions, both open and closed. So uh, open questions so that we could actually uh, get qualitative analysis done and closed questions so that we could compare the data. And we tried to capture pretty much uh, the whole world and get a sense of what was going on. So we had 27 orthopedic surgeons from uh, 22 countries spanning six continents who were actually <clears throat> taking part in the survey. And if you look at the WHO uh, world meter, then essentially we covered about 57.5% of the world population uh, with 6.6 .6 million uh, healthcare workers uh, in this survey. So pretty, pretty decent representative sample of, uh, of what was going on at that particular point in time. And so that was the methodology. And we wanted to identify differences and obviously areas of good practice as well. So places like Hong Kong, uh, South Korea actually had good policies in place uh, already. So we had asked each place to send us 
uh, their policies as well so that we could actually compare and contrast and then come up with specific recommendations. So that was the methodology and the ethos behind it. So when you think about the impact that this has, because right now, you know, more than any other time, like uh, the cycle of information is shifting so quickly. So for example, what was relevant a week ago, as you know, is no longer relevant and we're, we're moving forward. This is actually very, very timely <clears throat> because, <clears throat> sorry, sorry again. <clears throat> so this is actually very, very timely because what you're seeing now is, you know, reopening around the world. And you're also understanding with reopening becomes even greater concern and risk uh, for frontline healthcare workers. Did you get a sense from the survey? And I, I suspect that you'll speak to some of the key, key uh, learning points, but did you get a sense from the survey also that there's a sense of um, fatigue or burnout? I mean, that's an issue that we're starting to see more and more of. And I know it wasn't maybe specifically uh, maybe captured, but was there a sentiment of how people are going to actually manage the you know uh, frontline workers in terms of rotations in terms of because people need breaks and i think they're <clears throat> quite fatigued um from this last uh, 12 weeks and then to say to them you know we are reopening orthopedic surgery we're going to need uh, an additional amount of effort because we have to get through that backlog which is mounting and mounting and mounting any thoughts on that so I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we did this survey in uh, in uh, last week of March uh, before the final uh, sort of manuscript went out. We had another update on the numbers uh, on the 5th of April. And obviously, uh, by the time it's come out, uh, it's fairly time sensitive information. I'm hoping that the recommendations that we've made are actually already in place in all the units. However, having said that, I think if you look at the peak now in South America, I think these recommendations would be extremely helpful for that region. And coming to your second point about uh, fatigue, yes, so we've got uh, that included. And again, uh, sharing experiences from uh, South Korea and Hong Kong, they had it in place already. So about staff rotation, uh, about making sure uh, that you had well-being lessons uh, oh. being conducted. Uh, online sessions on well-being, uh, making sure that they had enough breaks and uh, leave was actually mandatory for them. So all that was actually being included uh, in the good guidelines which Hong right. Kong and South Korea had. And we've included that in our uh, recommendations. From your perspective and looking at the world uh, and looking at how things are going, where are we currently um, doing a good job in terms of where do you think everyone is aligned with protocols and where do you think there's opportunities, I guess, to educate, you know, and make sure that, that your work gets out to the world? Because I'm sure there's probably going to be a variety of what we consider exemplary um, models and models that can learn from those exemplary models. Do you have a sense of how common some of these features were? So I think what we're doing well uh, throughout, or what we've learned from this survey at least, mm -hmm. is that uh, we're limiting exposure uh, for our okay. staff. So I think that we're doing well. Most uh, most centers are doing that extremely well in terms of rotation of the staff. Actually, if they had any issues in terms of symptoms and they were self-isolating, and enough and appropriate support was being given to them, and rotation as well, so good rotors. And pretty much all places were doing that. The variation was in the amount of PPE yeah. and exactly in terms of what's the right word to put it, the evidence behind 
what PPE should you use in which setting? So how much amount of PPE would you want to be using in the outpatient setting? What PPE do you need in the COVID negative wards? What PPE right. do you need COVID positive? And I think theaters, we had pretty much a good response from everybody and they were pretty standard. So everybody was using level three PPE in theaters. But I think the other two areas, there is certainly scope for improvement and some evidence out there as well to actually help. The other place we could certainly improve upon is communication. So there are some places which were leading by example and communicating with their staff on a daily basis, giving them updates as to exactly what was happening. And some places were not doing that. The visitor policies were very variable. So there were some hospitals wherein you have uh, pretty much like a, like a small hut outside the hospital before anybody enters, you're going to get tested, you're going to be screened, and only then you could enter the hospital, whereas some hospitals didn't have that policy. So again, visitor policy and uh, and making sure that the people who enter the hospital are actually free of infection, there's certainly room for improvement there and a scope there. So that's pretty much what uh, we found from this survey. So where do you go from here with this information, Vikas? I mean, there's, you know, you've got a, a lot of insight and information. What's the next step from this project? So that's a very good question. And, uh, and for me, I'm thinking like uh, an evidence-based uh, scientist, pretty much like you, uh, inspiring figure like you. Uh, so I won't want to, these are just guidelines and some recommendations. I would want to put more science behind this and uh, take a couple of areas, for example, the outpatients, and really do some good work into what is the level of PPE required in those areas based on true science. And the second bit that we want to do, which is already in place, is to do a Delphi uh, among 50 orthopedic surgeons from around the world and actually get a consensus on where we need PPE, what sort of PPE, and what is the risk profile that we want to be actually using for the patient actually is going to have an operation. So that's that's the next stage really. Uh, which patient should be having the procedures? What is the risk there? And we need stratification of them. So that's, that's the two bits of uh, work that I would like to actually do. And one of them we've already commenced on. Well, that's wonderful. So in terms of, uh, and maybe I'll, I'll, um, I'll end on this one, Vikas, is, You've uh, spent a lot of time thinking about this issue. And I wonder if you know you have any insights, just reflections for uh, what for you has been the key learning? What have, what have you taken away from all this uh, experience that we've been in? Um, you know, and, and I'm sure you've reflected on it. So I'm curious about your own thoughts on this. Oh, so sure, Amoy, I think I've, I've reflected quite a bit on this. And I think the two things that come out a big for me on this are that in times of crisis, we collaborate extremely well. You know, the survey was open for four days, 23rd to 27th of March, and we had 100% response rate within 48 hours. Everybody responded. Then I needed to get the paper in by the 5th of April, and I emailed them on the 4th saying that we need updated numbers. And by the 5th, before we actually send the paper in, everybody had responded. So I think collaboration and speed in times of crisis were the two things that actually stood out the most for me. And that's what I've taken. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all the collaborators who were great actually on uh, submitting the data and collaborating on the study. And I'd also like to mention uh, Hussein, who actually, Zaman Hussain, 
who was a medical student with us now in Boston, who helped us immensely with this uh, timely production of this paper. So those two. Wonderful. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking time uh, out of your uh, schedule. I know things for for many things have gotten slow, but for some they've gotten busier and busier. And I know from uh, firsthand experience, you've probably been the busiest you've ever been uh, in sharing evidence, getting information out, and uh, developing new educational platforms across all the associations in which you're uh, doing a tremendous job. So on that note, Dr. Panduja, thank you so much for taking time with us today.